0: The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. For this Sunday and next Sunday, I want to explore scripture in terms of community. What... Might it be saying about who we are as the people of God, what our community makeup should be, and how important are we? What defines us? Is it something more than just our geographical area of being in the Durand region of Hamilton, our demographics, our cultural heritage being reformed? And I think it's especially important to take a moment to take stock of our community, our makeup, who we are, our values coming back from the pandemic. Now, I'm sure you're probably getting. You know, sick and tired of hearing you know post-pandemic reflections but i hope you'll just humor me for at least the next two weeks because coming back from the pandemic things look different life has changed for a lot of us it's not going to go back to the way it was before our values and our principles may have been challenged stretched or entirely changed over the past two years each of us that has returned to church after extended periods of lockdown is different than the person that we were before. And so church is still familiar. We still use the same liturgical elements. We still move through some of the same motions. But I think certain elements might hit us a little bit differently. Certain things are more important than others now in our worship, in our time together, in our gatherings. Because church— may be somewhat the same but we as a community are different we've changed and things cannot and should not just simply go back and so this morning i wanted to sit with the book of nehemiah with the story of ezra and nehemiah as a foil for understanding who we are as the people of god because this chronicles the return of a people from exile 70 years they spent in babylon Seventy years they were away from their homeland in a strange place with strange language and strange customs, things altogether unfamiliar, and then they return to their homeland, but it's not quite the same. Things are different, and they have to renegotiate what it means to be a community and a people again, renegotiate what it means to be a nation, especially because they are no longer an independent nation under their own king. They are ruled by the Persian Empire. So already, things cannot go back to the way they were before. And now, I'm not suggesting that the last two years of lockdown is the same to being in captivity and exile. It's far from it. We had a way better time in lockdown than they did in exile. But there's that return, that coming back to something that should be familiar but feels altogether a little bit too strange and having to navigate that. So when we come to this point in the book of Nehemiah, they've returned to the land, they've rebuilt their walls, they've built a temple, and now they read, 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 and read. And so we come into Nehemiah chapter 8, where Ezra, who's the teacher, the scribe, sort of the chief teacher of the people of that time, he comes and he brings the law. And he reads it to them at the water gate. And this is significant because water represents life. Water represents cleansing and purification. In the book of Ezekiel, the last eight chapters, Ezekiel has this vision of a temple with streams of water flowing out from it, starting as a trickle and slowly expanding to great rivers, this water of life that flows from the temple of God. So it's fitting that Ezra positions himself in this place. When he prepares to read the law, the waters of life will flow from these pages and he gathers up with a list of names that joel i really appreciate you working through those you did really well and these are people that had helped build the city these are people that had helped restore the safety and security of the land important people in the community they have not just lent their hands and their bodies to the work but they also lend their souls and their spirits to the continuing restoration they don't just do one work they come together for it all and so ezra reads the law And their initial response is lament. Their hearts are broken hearing the words that he reads from this scroll. These words from Lamentation, I think, sum it up very well. What they are probably feeling deep in their heart as they've come back. So from Lamentation 5, verse 15, it says, Joy is gone from our heart. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim For Mount Zion, which lies desolate with jackals prowling all over it. As they are reminded, or perhaps hearing for the very first time the law of God, they realize exactly why they were in captivity. Because they messed up big time god was very faithful to the israelite and judean people time and time again he forgave them delivered them from oppression brought them back into his fold but time and time again they sinned against him they engaged in idolatry and immorality until god said enough was enough i promised that if you disobeyed me i would take you out of this land and after hundreds of years of grace and forgiveness he finally did just that so you could imagine that after 70 years that's a couple generations back then people might have forgotten exactly why they were taken out of the land they may not have understood it in the first place but simply knew that they were in the wrong place and had to get home so what a shock that might have been to then hear the law of God hear what he says "Hear, O Israel I am your God the Lord your God is one and they're struck to the core that they have followed idols in the own ambitions of their hearts their first gut reaction when they open up the Scriptures and the Word of God. And yet, Ezra is not content to leave it here because he knows that what the people need is not to be beaten over the head with rules and regulations, beaten down with what they should have done, because as a teacher of the law, as anyone that reads the Scriptures knows that we can't really do it on our own. So what's the point in heaping guilt upon guilt upon guilt on those of us, which is all of us, that cannot keep the law perfectly? And so he moves to a different part of the law. He does not simply just discard it and say, this is making us too sad. We're not going to focus on it. We're not going to read it. This book is just no good. But he says that there is something to celebrate, that the law of God commands us to celebrate and rejoice because holiness and gloom do not really go well together. There is a certain amount of darkness that touches our soul when we come before the law and before God. This is even seen in the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, that once-a-year purification ritual that the Levites had to engage in. The assembly would be silent, waiting patiently for the chief priest to sprinkle blood on the altar, to be assured that their sins have been forgiven. And so while there is that certain amount of gloom, there is that certain amount of sadness and lament that comes with coming before God. It should not stand in the way of celebration. It should not stand in the way of rejoicing. Because these are a people brought home, brought back to the center of their life and culture and religion, the heartland. And so they are to celebrate. And so as they read the law, they discover this festival that had been so long forgotten, the Festival of Booths in which the people would leave their houses and erect tents around the city, and they would live in tents to recall the exodus from the promised land, a reminder of their ancestors who lived in the desert as God faithfully brought them out of slavery and into the promised land. This is a celebration of remembrance, of looking back on what God has done, of walking through those sorts of motions and rituals to help make it more firm but it was a festival forgotten like much of the law laid to the side by the previous generations for Nehemiah records that it had not been celebrated since Joshua son of Nun. so really after the first generation that entered the promised land the generation that remember that actually lived in the tents that could remember it that tasted the manna once that generation was gone this festival was put to the side they were comfortable in their homes comfortable not remembering their faithful God who delivered them through the Sinai Desert. And so nobody perhaps knew. Nobody perhaps knew their story, their position in the history of God and the drama of salvation. They didn't know what God had done for them all those hundreds of years ago, bringing them up out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea, feeding them with manna from heaven, giving them the law at Mount Sinai. All these stories were lost. And so, as they lost their position in history, they lost their position as people of God. And so, they come back. They come back to remember. They come back to remember and to celebrate what God has done. Because they lament for what they left undone. But the law of God moves to celebration for what God has done. And if we were to continue reading in Nehemiah chapter 9, we see that the Israelites confess their sins, and they do that by telling their story. They start all the way in the beginning with God as the creator, calling out Abraham about seeing the suffering in Egypt, bringing them out, giving them the law. They tell the whole story as they confess their sins, because a confession of sin, it is a lot about what we have left undone or what we have done, but a confession of sin is also an an admission of what God is able to do. Remember what God has done. When you come to the law, remember what God has accomplished for you, the things that you have no hope of doing. And this is something that is for everyone. For in verse 3, it says that Ezra, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. This is for everyone, men, women, any who understand which includes children this is an intergenerational event this is not something for the high and mighty for the wealthy the rich the intellectual this is for everyone in the community and it was told to them in a language they could understand perhaps it was translated from the hebrew of the scroll into aramaic which was becoming the common tongue of the day but we also see that the levites were positioned among the crowd to interpret it to make the meaning plain leaving nothing up to misinterpretation it was to be understood understood with clarity and given to the people in their context for their time not leaving it to mystery as if this was some strange book that you had to have special gifts or insight to know and if you didn't have it well you were just stuck they were committed to reading it to understanding it to teaching it to sharing it and to living it out and so this people that come back to this land this fragmented broken people that are trying to figure out what it means to once again be the people of israel to be the people of judah to be god's people they find their unity in the law they find their unity in the words of god this law of moses which the lord commanded for israel this great gift and it encourages the people a response of generosity to live together, to celebrate, to share all that they have with one another. It unites people in joy and lament. It creates space for all the emotions and feelings of the human experience, all the elements of life. We find that in this book. We find that to be our unifying thing, that no matter where we come from, how the last two years have gone for us, how we have changed, how our values, our important things in our lives have shifted, our understandings, no matter how you have changed this book is the same because there is not a new word that we keep getting there's not a new word that keeps getting updated there's no annual releases of the bible there is just one book the same one that god gave to his people at mount sinai the same one that finds new life in jesus and of course we do not simply just venerate the book We do not simply just walk with it and parade it it around. Ezra didn't just present the scroll and say, this is the law and that's really good, and treat it as a relic, something from a bygone era. They use it. Some of you may remember the old tradition of uh, Reformed churches, back when they still had benches and pews for the elders to sit up to keep an eye on the minister while he's preaching. That when they would come in with the elders, they would come in with the Bible. They would walk it into the church giving it the reverence that it deserves to show that we are a people of the book. This is central and important to our community. And that is why whenever we read this scripture, we say this is the word of God and you all respond with thanks be to God. Because this is a great gift that is meant to be used. And it is a gift that makes its fullest sense, that helps us understand our position in community best through Jesus. Because just like Ezra would stand at the water gate, playing on that image of living water flowing from the temple, bringing life to all that it touches, so too Jesus calls himself the living water. And that that living water will be for those who believe in him, and they will never be thirsty again. And it is only Jesus that makes fullest sense of this. And we see this in the passage of Revelation 5, where John is recording these fantastic visions And he comes before the throne and he says, Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel in a loud voice proclaim, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven and earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. There's still an element of distance between us and the word of God. There's still there is still an element of misunderstanding of an inability to fully unify ourselves as a people by it. I mean, we see that today with the innumerable denominations within the Christian Church. My sister told me a fantastic joke once, joke and she said that there are only two things that multiply by division: amoebas and the Protestant Church. But we are not simply left up to our own devices then because in Revelation it continues it says then one of the elders said to me do not weep see the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has triumphed he is able to open the scroll in its seven seals then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne and this lamb is Jesus this lamb has the ability to open the scroll this lamb our great and awesome Savior is the one who is able to interpret the word of God perfectly for us as a community to bring us in together. And Jesus becomes this embodiment of the law. He becomes the one that we are to look to and respond to. He is the one through which we pass all of our understanding in this book, all of our understanding of what it means to be a community, finds its meaning and relevance in Christ. No matter our differences, no matter how we have changed over the last few years, no matter how we come back into this place, Christ is the same. Because the Apostle John reminds us that Jesus is the Word made flesh, that very Word of God made incarnate to dwell among us, to teach us, to live with us. And during that time on earth, as the Word made flesh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, 47, he says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on rock because jesus this word this book that we come and open up every single sunday that you may open up every single day throughout the week this is the rock on which we build our faith this is the rock on which we build our community and we are then to abide in christ and to live in him this does not change because we cannot even pretend to imagine that Two years from now, things will be like they are now. They are going to continue to change and evolve. Life seems much more transient now than it did a few years ago, but maybe it's just because I'm getting older and see things more clearly. Life changes fast. Our communities change. The makeup of who we are, but one thing is constant. And what's more is that we have to do it together. There is no way we can do this in isolation because God does not just call us to be a holy person. He calls us to be a holy people. And he calls us to do this through more than just intellect and understanding, more than just good Bible teaching. It's through action and community, being together, hearing the law, and responding as one. Because we abide in Christ, this living word, as a group. And it's more than just ticking the boxes of program attendance, more than just showing up for when something as an event is scheduled in church. It's showing up all the time for each other for your neighbors for your friends for your family being present in their lives and abiding with them as you abide with christ and when we hear this message we know that we are not doing this perfectly i know i'm not i know i struggle with sometimes living into community and this does move me to lament because i do feel that strong conviction that we have to do life together as a people And we lament because we know who we are. We know what we are capable of. We lament because we know that the world as we see it is not as it should be. People are still lonely, isolated, broken, stuck in cycles of addiction and poverty and suffering. There's war, disease, famine, environmental degradation and climate change. All these things bring us to our knees. But we come to this book we are right to lament but we also celebrate we celebrate because God is faithful we celebrate what he has done what he is doing what he will do we celebrate the children that he has entrusted to us for the people that they are becoming it's so great to have them stand before us to acknowledge the ways that they are growing and teaching to have them up here leading us in worship as brothers and sisters and we look to the ministries of our church We look to our cab debt center, our care portal, the work of our deacons, the pastoral care the elders provide, the teaching, the instruction, the meals that Christina and I have received over the last week. These great blessings of community, of a community that does life together, that knows that there is much to celebrate amidst the doom and gloom of our current situation. And we can only maintain this posture of celebration, this posture of generous living, of invitational living, hospitality to the strangers if we keep coming back to this book, if we keep coming back to the Word of God. Because if we separate who we are as a community from the living Word of Jesus, the Word that has been written down and preserved for us, translated into an understandable language, if we give up coming and meeting together on Sundays to hear the Word preached, To get together during the weekdays to work through bible study devotions after dinner meditations in the morning if we separate ourselves from this we will only be left with despair because that is the default of a broken and sinful world so i'd invite you this week as you come to scripture to do it with this heart of community and to ask yourselves like the people of nehemiah's day is there something we've forgotten Is there a celebration or a practice that we've missed that we've left in the dust is there something that we used to do or that my parents used to do that brought so much life and joy that we should probably bring back because it was deeply rooted in scripture and we've just gotten too busy or missed it what is god trying to remind you of this morning in this book in this story of return what is god trying to speak to you about what it means to be a community and a people of the book of the living Word. and it may not seem obvious at first and it may seem something really small as saying i remember as a kid always going to someone's house for soup and buns after church and that was really nice maybe that's where we start you can set the bar as low as you want just keep moving forward Because ultimately, it's not about what we do. It's not about what we can accomplish. It's not about the community that we make, but it's ultimately about situating our identity in the story of God, this drama of redemption. Because our story, our community story as First Hamilton CRC for its many long years is overlaid by Christ's story of redemption. So stumble though we may, Christ is always there carrying us through. And this is a good news this is the good news of the gospel that we take into each and every part of our lives so commit yourself to study commit yourself to understanding but ultimately commit yourselves to doing life together to the fullest of your capacity amen let us join together in prayer and then we will uh respond in song Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your son Jesus, for what he has done to create a community where no matter who walks through these doors, we can recognize them as being made in your image, as being a potential, a definite member of our church community. Heavenly Father, forgive us for when we get too wrapped up in trying to work out our lives as a holy person rather than a holy people. Forgive us when we push your word aside to simply fall back on cultural things and understandings and doing what we are just familiar and happy with. Speak to us this week. Remind us of all the good things that are stored up for us in heaven, all the good things that have been laid down for us in Scripture. And ultimately, God, thank you for this community, for their faithfulness of gathering, for the desire to do life together, and may you reward us richly for coming together as your people through the death and resurrection of your Son, and by the grace and power of the Spirit. Amen.